0: World traveler and a man who spent most of the summer laying flat on his back, but he's not flat on his back anymore, and this week he has coordinated the entire Scandinavian Festival, uh, hosted friends from out of town, prepared a sermon, and signed the Nobel Peace Prize. And so we <laughs> it's, it's a blessing to have this man here. He's one of the reasons that my family came here to Oregon, and we love him dearly. Doug Easterday.
1: good morning. Well, I don't know about you, but I just need to take a minute and calm down. Anybody had a busy week? I was busier than no-handed wallpaper hanger. So let's just close our eyes for a minute, could we please? Just kind of set aside the hecticness and the demands of your time and things that have requested your attention and just set them aside and turn your attention now to a loving Father that has invited you to come into his presence and he says, ask of me. Ask of me. Lord, we just Come into your presence today, and ask that you would give to each of us what we need. While we don't all need the same thing, so would you bring to each one of us that word, that encouragement, that challenge that each of us would need? I pray. In Jesus' name. All right, now let's all pretend we are going shopping. How many like shopping? How many do not like shopping? Whoa, man. Okay, well, those that don't like it, go shopping anyway. (laughs) We just got to go with me here. And you have successfully acquired the things that you have gone shopping for, and you've gone up to the place that completes this shopping experience called the checkout line. And you do what you have to do, give them a credit card or your hard-earned money, and they put it in your sack that you have brought from home, because in Eugene you can't even have a sack, and you are now ready to leave. And what does the person that has rung up and taken your money, what do they say to you? What? So my title of my message is, have a good day. But I want to know, what does that mean? What does it mean, have a good day? All right, who wants to tell me what you think it means? What does it mean? Tyler, what does it mean?
0: Enjoy the rest of your day. May it be of good use. I don't...
1: Okay, enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. How do, what, what do we enjoy about our day? What do you think it means?
0: I've come to think it means that they want us to have an easy day.
1: What's an easy day? Tito, what do you think? Have a godly day. A godly day. All right. Anybody else want to give what you think? What does it mean, have a good day? Relaxing day. Relaxing day. Anything that would be absent of bad. Right? Isn't that it? I don't want the car to break down. That's not a good day. I don't want to fall down and, you know, I don't want to have, I want, I want the weather to be good. I want the kids to cooperate. Amen? I want a good day. And I think we mean it means a day without trouble. Amen? A day without problems, a day without things that we just do not prepare or or prefer rather. But let's imagine if God were your checkout clerk and he rang up your groceries and gave you your money back because he paid for it and you are about to leave the store, what would he say? What would he say? Would he say, have a good day? Maybe. And if he did, what does that mean if God were to say it? What do you think, Sharon? Be in my presence all day. Okay, be in my presence all day. All right? Yes? All right. Walking the paths I've planned. How many know that what we mean, have a good day, and maybe what God means, have a good day, might not be the same? Amen? They might not just be on the same page, even, let alone be the same thing. Have a good day. I am convinced, my friends, that a good day with God is what's best for us. A good day with God, he has a plan that will be the very best thing for your life. Amen? I'm not sure I always like what's best for me. <laughs> Amen? Anybody there? I'd rather have the clerk's definition of a good day. No problems. The weather's fine. Everybody, my wife prepares my favorite meal. And she says, oh, don't worry about the dishes. I'll take care of it. Go watch your favorite sporting event. That's a good day. Hallelujah. But I want to challenge us today, what is God's definition? And I would want to challenge us, are we willing for a day that God would define as a good day? Are we willing to take his good day and become, yes, Lord, I'm willing for that? What is a good day in God? How many of you have ever prayed for something? You prayed earnestly. You believed that you were praying in faith and you were trusting God. And later on, you realized he did not answer and you're so glad he did not answer. Anybody there? Is that love? See, when my kids were little, if I would have given them what they preferred for dinner, they'd eat ice cream and cookies every meal. But see, as a parent, because I love them and because I really want what's best for them, I required something different than their preferences. And I want to suggest to you that God has some things different than our human natural preferences. He wants your best. He has your best in his heart. Do you believe it? Do you think he really knows what's best for you? Can we trust this guy called God that he really has your best in his heart? And can we trust it? I remember one time when I was, had left the restaurant business, and I was not sure what to do, and I was in a, nor- a cabin in northern Minnesota, where in northern Minnesota we have nine months of winter and three months of bad sledding, <clears throat> and the state bird is a mosquito. <laughs> and I was there, and it was 40 below zero outside, not, not windchill, we laugh at windchill in northern Minnesota actual temperature. Anybody ever been outside at 40 below? Anybody? The coldest I've been outside is 56 below. And that's cold by the way. And I remember that I was there and I was trusting God for something that I thought I needed in my future. You know, a certain type of of engagement of financial benefits and Employment and et cetera. And I was praying, I was trusting. And God did not answer my prayer. And I think sometimes we get, we can even get a little upset and angry with God. God, come on. I, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. I, I'm, I'm trusting you for this thing that I know is, is what's really good for me. And God loves us enough to give us what's best but not always what's easiest. Anybody can say amen to that? God wants what's best for you. Amen? Hey, he didn't answer my prayer. But instead, he called me to go to a little Bible camp and join his staff, and I later became the director of that organization. That changed, has ch- helped to change the world. But he did answer my prayer, even though I prayed in faith, because I believed that was the right thing. But he gave me something that was better because he knew it was best more than I did. Can you trust a God? Can you trust this God that he really wants to give you his best? Because, see, we think we know what's best. We really do. I, I, you know, we, we have things that we want. We want to have a good day. And God says, no, I love you too much to always give you what you think is a good day. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. A familiar passage of Scripture that a lot of people would like to take out of the scripture because it has to do with discipline. A disciple is defined as one who is disciplined. How many of you are disciples of Christ? Then that means you need discipline because you cannot be a disciple without discipline. It is virtually impossible. And it says, endure hardship. Endure what? What's hardship? Anything that's hard to this ship? Anything that's hard? What's hard? How many of you have any relationship issues? Only 3 people, okay? The rest of you are lying. Next next Sunday's message will be on honesty. We've all had relationship issues. Amen? It's hard sometimes when we have conflict with people. But how do we grow in relationships? Often we grow through conflict. God says, endure hardship as discipline. How many have had any hardships lately? How many enjoy them? Notice the difference in hands. whole bunch of hands that we had them, nobody put it like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's this, do this again. But can we see today that the depth of God's love is he longs to give you what's best, even when you don't think it's best. God is treating you as sons and daughters when he disciplines you. It's See, discipline is not punishment. Did everybody hear that? Discipline is not punishment. It's not you, naughty child. I'm going to show you who's boss and who's stronger. Discipline is a tool to help you become more like Jesus, a disciple, a follower. And hardship is a tool, it's not the tool, it's not the only tool, but it's a tool that moves us there. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Next verse, please. If you are not disciplined, and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not true sons and daughters at all. Next verse says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for. How much more? How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us, why? For our good. Can we say that together? For our good. It's not for your correction. It's not so that you'll learn, you little naughty child. It's for our good that he disciplines us. And now let's look at the last part of this verse. If you don't get get excited, you should about this last verse. In order that we may share in his holiness. Can you go back one verse, please? that we may share in his holiness. May I suggest to you, you will not become godly holy without discipline. Your children will not learn to obey without discipline. Amen? They don't just magically just grow up and, oh, I think I'm going to eat vegetables instead of chocolate cake for dinner. That's not going to happen. God loves us enough. He's a father that cares for us, and he has what's best for us. That isn't what's always easiest for us. How many want to share in God's holiness Then you just ask to be disciplined? It's a loving thing. It's a caring thing. It's, It's a godly thing. Now let's look at the next verse. No dis- discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen, brother. <laughs> now we can sure agree with that part of that verse. Huh? Yay, man. This is not food. Later on, however, later on. How much later? I don't know. I'm not in charge of the timetable. Darn. And neither are you, but God is. How much later is it? I don't know. But it's not, that doesn't mean today then. Later on, sometime later, it produces a harvest. A what? In the Willamette Valley, we are the grass seed capital of the world. Last year, we harvested 750. Million pounds of grass seed. And a little grass seed, that's a small little rascal. It takes a, a whole lot of grass seed to make a pound. We harvested 750 million pounds just in the valley here. A harvest is not a, is not a bucket full. A harvest is not even a truck full. Our harvest is truckloads after trainloads after truckloads. It will produce a harvest. A what? Not a little bit. The, the word harvest is symbolicing a ample, way more than you'd ever need supply. A harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Anybody want a harvest of peace? How do you get peace? What's the Bible say here? Discipline is one of the avenues that leads us to peace. Lack of discipline leads us to the lack of peace. And God loves you and I enough. (laughs) He loves you and I enough. That he says, I want what's best for you, even if it's different. See, parents sometimes get caught in a trap of wanting their children's approval. Parents, are you listening? See, we can get caught in a trap that, you know, when we have to correct a child, I hear this constantly. Where they say, okay, now it's kind of come to dinner, okay. I'm not asking for your endorsement of my direction. A child does not learn obedience by saying okay to your directions, they learn obedience by doing it. See, if you as a parent are looking for your children's approval, you're not parenting, you are befriending your child. Because real parenting, you're not always going to be popular with your parents, with your children. How many always loved everything your parents told you to do? <laughs> how many did not like some things that your parents, <laughs> how many did not like some of the things your parents asked you to do? <laughs> I want to put both arms and both legs up. But it was, was it Good. Now I can't say everything our parents told us to do was the right thing, but everything our God tells us to do is the right thing. Are you willing? Are you willing to let God's have a good day become your have a good day? Because it's probably different than how you would define it. What pushes you toward God? Be honest with yourself. What pushes you toward God? When do you pray the most? When do you cry out to God, oh God? When do you go to scripture and and really let it uh, immerse yourself in it? When, When are those times? May I suggest most of the time it's when we are desperately needing something from God. Without a need, you never go to God. Without a problem, you never go to God. We just come and just be happy and have a good day and have no problems and hallelujah. See, there's this concept. It's when you come to Jesus, somehow that's an immunity pill to difficulty. The Bible doesn't say that. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. Darn I'd rather have a good day I want the clerk at the store to define my day and be that not trouble let's look at another scripture in Hebrews chapter 5 starting with verse 7 it says this during the days of Jesus life on earth he offered up prayers and petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death Jesus prayed fervently Who did? Um, So should we join him in that? And he prayed with tears. Ever thought about Jesus so fervent in his prayer to the Father? He prayed with tears. This was serious. This was. This was. He was. He was not just. Bless me, God. Yo, see you later. He was. He was fervent. He was. He was had passion. He had emotion. He pray the one that could save him from death. And he was heard because he was heard because of his reverent submission. Next verse says son though he was and he was the son of God totally God but yet totally human. He learned obedience from what he Suffered. If Jesus learned obedience from some suffering, may I suggest, I think probably we'll have to do that as well. From what we suffer. I have had back surgery seven weeks ago and I was down 40 days on my back before surgery. I cried out to God. I was fervent, and I had tears. Oh God, take this pain away. Oh God, take this pain away. There were days that I didn't care if they said we're gonna have to cut your head off to take the pain, I would've told them go right ahead. There's times you get to a level of pain you don't care what it is to remove it. And I was there. And I had had three previous back surgeries and that wasn't the most fun time of my life and I didn't really want to have a fourth. But I did. On June 20th I had my fourth. My doctor who was wasn't the, sometimes always the best at communication says, "Well, you're a three-time loser." Oh, that wasn't really encouraging me going into my fourth surgery. You say, you're going to whack on me to help me lose more? (laughs) Anyway, as I was laying for 40 days on my back, I could almost get to the bathroom without help. Not quite. That's about it. I hurt and I cried out to God for pain, for, for relief from my pain. I was fervent. And I was suffering. I had surgery. The surgery, I woke up from, some, from the surgery without the pain. And that is amazing. It's like, oh, maybe I'll be normal again. But the recovery has been excruciatingly slow and painful. And I had cried out, Lord, you can just heal me. Because that's what I thought was the best. How many of you have ever cried out to God for healing and because you believe that's the best? I mean, just take it away. You can do that. You're God. You paid by his stripes. We are healed. And that's all true. But he chose a path for me. I would not have chosen Anybody with me? About 10 days after surgery, I was still hurting. And it, it was just like every move was less than preferable. And I was sitting right back there. Excuse me. And I says, God, can't we just get through this and just just take the pain? And I just like to get on with my life. And I felt a hand, a gentle, loving hand, come and begin to massage what the pain is. Just, it was so kind and it was so loving, it was so real. And he said to me, if I healed you, you'd appreciate it. Within a month, you'd be going on about your life and you wouldn't be as crisp. But see, I'm drawing you into my presence. And I'm drawing you into a deeper relationship of a loving father with me. And that will last forever. That's the best for you. So as I was preparing this message, and this was not the, the most convenient week in my schedule, and it was, I was trying to squeeze it in, and and so I, I was kind of ready, and then this morning came, and I was still getting the booth set up, and we ran out of cabbage, and I mean, we're, I'm I got to run the store, and as soon as I'm done here, because we're just in, in a mess, but so I'm still trying to take care of all that and I gotta gotta say something fairly intelligent in a few minutes, hopefully. And then the pain came back. And I says, come on. And I blame the devil. which I I do think he's behind it. I leave tomorrow for Toronto for a trip of speaking of a youth camp and a church there and I I go through warfare every time before I trip before I traveled, and it's normal. But I was sitting right over there just a few minutes ago, and God says, are you going to practice what you preach? Will you let me give you what's best for you, not what you want? And I had to live out, sitting right over there, I had to live out what I'm sharing with you just this morning. And I said, God, I trust you. I trust who you are, that you know what's best for me. I don't like this. I don't like the discomfort. But I will trust you today, God, that you love me enough that you'll give me what's best, even if it's not what I prefer. Can we stand together? Worship team, would you come back, please? And I, I, I am, I'm a person that I'm, I feel pretty convinced that listening to something of a teaching and then just leaving isn't the full application. I think it's good to, to respond and apply to the Lord and apply what we've learned. And if you're willing to say, okay, God, okay, God, I'm willing to trust you and I will let you determine what's best for me, rather than me determined. I want you to respond to the Lord. If you want to come here and, and have your own conversation, do that. If you want to do it on your own chair, I, I'm not going to tell you how, but I, I want to challenge as the worship team sings a song for us that we take this time to respond and we say, God, I will receive your discipline. I will receive your love because the Father disciplines those he loves. And I will, Father God, trust you with what's a good day for me. Have a good day, God says. Have a good day. And let's let him decide the definition of that good day. Would you respond to the Lord? Just in this one song, as they sing it for us, Would you just be willing? Prayer, servant team, would you come as well? And if you need someone to agree with you about something, go to one of them. They'll be more than happy just to agree with you and support you. But I want to challenge you to respond. I I, want to suggest that this applies to all of us. None of us would not have this affect us in some way. But let's respond to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I am willing for you to decide what's a good day for me.
0: trust you Know that I can trust you I lean not on my own understanding I give it all to You, God, trusting that You make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to You, God, trusting that You make something. This mountain with my hands wide open, I will climb. And if you need prayer for anything at all, please take advantage of our prayer servant team. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Have a wonderful day.